Welcome into Locked On Knicks. We are in the middle of the preseason and we have a fantastic guest for you guys today for all the updates you could ever possibly want. SNY's Ian Begley joins us on the show today. Gavin, what are we talking about? We give you the latest on all the positional battles. Obi Toppin versus Julius Randle. Quinton Grimes against Evan Fournier. Can my guy Emmanuel quickly get a bone? Will he play significant minutes this season? And then we finish off with some bold predictions from Ian. Will the Knicks trade for an all-star in the next season? Will IQ and Obi get consistent roles on this year's team? Will Tom Thibodeau have a job? Find out right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts. Five. Yes. Puck, and All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrickland.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, his favorite play-by-play broadcaster, and we are joined by Ian Begley of SNY today. He, of course, writes for them, breaks tons of news. You can follow him at Ian Begley on Twitter. If you're somehow watching the show and not following Ian Begley, what the heck is wrong with you? Uh, But also hosts the show The Putback on SNY, which will be coming back, uh, as we learned at the end of the show, uh, after the or the day of the season opener and then having consistent uh, shows throughout the year. So definitely check out the putback as well from Ian. But I won't hold this up any further. we got lots of great stuff to talk about right now with Ian Begley. All right, as promised, we are very excited to welcome back SNY's Ian Begley to the podcast after a long, arduous summer. We're now finally in the preseason and getting (laughs) towards actual regular season Knicks basketball and lots of good stuff to come up. Ian, I'm not going to... Uh, uh, hold us up at all uh, and just jump right into it. Jump right into the deep end here and, and start in Let's on the discussion. Uh, so that I think the biggest question, I mean, this is maybe up for debate what the biggest question is around this team right now, but to us, at least on our show, I think it's been the Obi and Julius situation. Uh, thus far, Julius seems to be buying into his new role uh, in the Brunson era with RJ, you know, playing the part that he does now as well. And, Obi really hasn't skipped a beat from how well he was playing last the the end of last season, which kind of really complicates things when you have, you know, the guy that was your highest paid player and sort of the franchise player this time last year, you have your most recent high draft pick in Obi Toppin, who's playing as well as he is. I'm kind of curious. You had the chances of Julius getting moved before the season at around 40% last month, which a lot, a lot changes in a month. And I think, I think this preseason has probably changed some things as well with how well Julius seems to be kind of slotting into the role that is requested of him now. So let's just extend it to like the trade deadline or, or during this season. But do you think the Knicks are still invested in both Julius Randall and Obi Toppin going forward? 
You know, I think that uh, in a big picture sense, uh, if you kind of just asked everyone to be honest, I, I, I don't think that, you know, going back to, you know, day one with Toppin, that, that the plan was for it to play out like this. But now that everything has unfolded over the last couple of seasons, I really think that it depends on how things unfold, you know, the first six weeks, two months of this year. Listen, if the team's winning. Uh, Obi Toppin's playing X minutes. Julius Randle's playing X minutes. But the Knicks are, you know, 15 and 10. Nobody's going to be, you know, hitting the panic button and talking about we have to do X, Y, Z to get Toppin more minutes. We've got to trade. I don't think that's going to be an overarching concern. The issue, though, is if things, you know, go sideways and don't go as well, that's going to be, uh, you know, a stress point for everybody. Because, you know, I think we saw it year one. No one really talked much about it because Julius Randle played so well. The Knicks exceeded expectations, made the playoffs. So it wasn't a big debate last year if things were rocky. And you, you asked yourself, why is their first, their top draft pick in, in the Leon Rose era, you know, not having a consistent role, getting consistent minutes. Obviously, he started to in the second half. He had a, a big run, especially after Julius Randle sat down uh, due to injury. Uh, Obi Toppin played really well. So – to me, it just depends on the nightly results for the Knicks early on as to whether, you know, this becomes something that they have to take action on or they can let kind of sit as it is and see where things play out. Do you think if there's a night where Obi, and I, I guess this is subjective to some extent, but there's a night where Obi Toppin is clearly outplaying Julius Randle, will Tom Thibodeau be willing to pivot and say, all right, Obi's been the better player tonight he's the one who's going to finish this game or will it be sort of similar to last year where I think a lot of the frustrations with, with Randall and Tibbs derive from, it didn't really matter what Randall was doing on the court. He was given the benefit of the doubt and maybe coming off of a second team all NBA season that was completely warranted. But now, especially with what we're seeing from OB early this preseason, do you think there's a world where Tibbs will have some flexibility on a night to night basis? Yeah. I think, you know, if there's a night where Julius for whatever reason doesn't have it and OB does, I, I, I wish I could answer that question. I, I, I don't have strong insight into if things have shifted to the point where Tom Thibodeau says to anyone, uh, Julius Randle included, you know, if you're not performing on a given night, you're going to sit. That's what we hear from Thibodeau when he talks to us about his approach generally. Uh, but, I, you know, there's going to be a time because it's an 82-game season. It's inevitable. There's going to be a night where, you know, Randle doesn't have it and, and you would – logically go to someone else to try to get the win. So to me, that's a big litmus test for Thibodeau. I think it's a great question. I just don't have any like fresh insight into how Thibodeau might approach it. You know, I, I think last year, you know, Julius Randle played such a huge role in the team success. The prior year, you mentioned it, all-star, all-NBA. Tom Thibodeau got coach of the year. So I think there was, just me guessing, I think there was a longer rope for Randle because of all those factors. Is that still there this year? Uh, I don't know. But again, over the course of an 82-game season, even if Julius Randle is playing like an all-star again, there's going to be a night where he's off. So there's going to be a night where that decision is going to be in front of Tom Thibodeau and the coaching staff. Yeah, it definitely will be intriguing to see, especially because in the past, Tibbs has sort of alluded to not believing that the young players give them the best chance to win. I, I think that we've seen early on in this preseason and late last year that these guys, some nights will have more to offer potentially than the starters. So hopefully he does keep an open mind 
But speaking of keeping an open mind, there is another positional battle. I, I guess I don't know if I'll call the power forward one a battle at the moment, more so like a curiosity, because I don't think there's any real world where Obi overtakes Randall going into the season. However, there is another battle that you've been reporting on throughout the offseason and has been a, a topic of conversation all the way dating back to, I mean, Summer League, maybe even before, which is Quentin Grimes versus Evan Fournier for that starting spot. Maybe Emmanuel quickly as sort of a dark horse, although that doesn't seem to be in the plans as of right now based off how things have gone. But I, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on the shooting guard battle. I mean, you you had reported and others have reported that Grimes had a a pretty good shot, you know, like a puncher's chance to potentially win that starting job going into the the preseason and training camp and all that stuff. Obviously, he's had this this foot injury which has popped up that's been a little, I don't know, mysterious. Like, no, I'm not quite sure what the injury is, but he's been out the first two games. It seems like he's progressing towards returning. Uh, do you think though that that has hurt his chances of potentially taking that starting job, missing this preseason time and and presumably all the practice time that comes with it? Or do you think there's still a shot where he might get that starting job? Because Gavin and I have talked, and when we talk and think about it, we're like, it sort of makes more sense to have a player like Grimes in there that doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands, but that plays better defense. And Fournier might actually have a pretty pretty prosperous role off the bench if he's willing to take it. All right, we'll be right back in with Ian, but I just had to remind you guys real quick that today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. And if you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're really depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is a brand new flavor. Are you ready? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. Have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. You get all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's good for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them all for yourself. I certainly have to do that because my wife tries to take my cookie dough chunk built puffs, and no, those are mine. Those are mine. I want my cookie dough chunk built puffs. And I just know you guys are going to love the cookie dough chunks, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just to grab a quick bite built is the perfect protein bar. And they taste better than a candy bar. So ditch the calories, fat and sugar and grab yourself a built bar, go to built.com and use promo code locked on 15. And you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code locked on 15 for 15% off at built.com. Yeah, I think that, you know, is going to be under consideration, I think, throughout the year. But I think early on, because of the Grimes injury and he, he just hasn't been available to practice or play, I think Evan Fournier is going to be the starter on opening night. I mean, that would just be my guess based on everything that you've seen and you heard, you've heard to this point. Um, because even Grimes himself said that, you know, he, he was under the impression that he was going to have a chance to win the job uh, in camp. And the idea that he hasn't been able to play, obviously, that almost, that takes that battle uh, and, and tables it for the moment. But I think I think it'll be under consideration during the regular season once Grimes gets back to full health. Uh, the injury, yeah, it's it's I, I think mysterious is a, is a good uh, a good way to describe it, only because you know Grimes was seen in that the walking boot. I have to give credit to 
uh, members of, of Nick's Twitter and, and Reddit and, and Instagram and, and whoever else unearthed that photo on social media because that was the first time we had seen him in a boot. And he finally came back and practiced in full earlier this week. But then the next day, he didn't do everything in practice. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, why, why is he not able to go 100% back-to-back days? The Knicks have said that, you know, everything is going according to plan. They have a plan in place. Uh, the training staff does to get him back on the court. And the practice on Tuesday where he didn't go full uh, is just a part of that plan. So, you know, they they say that everything is is okay and, and he'll be back on the court. But it is a little mysterious, you know, foot soreness emanating from, uh, it seems like uh, working hard in the offseason. And then, you know, your, his foot just got sore maybe from overuse. So it, it's a tricky thing. Um, I would assume that rest is the best medicine, but if you're itching to get back on the court as Grimes is, and as the Knicks are itching to see Grimes back on the court, it seems to be like a, a tricky one to handle. You know, I want to get a feel for the the third guy in that conversation, Emmanuel, quickly. Um, you reported in an article back in uh, mid-September that there was an expectation that he could have a bigger role this season. And I was, I was curious if that was a bigger role relative to where he was playing early last season or even a bigger role to what he was doing post all-star break where he was averaging 27 and a half minutes a game. And and then it's sort of this, this game of, all right, where do those minutes come from? Obviously Jalen Brunson is, I mean, knowing Tom Thibodeau, he's going to be out there 36 minutes a night, almost at a minimum. Um, you still have Derek Rose who hasn't played much this preseason, but I, I you would know better than I would. The, the sense that I have is like, all right, that's just Tibbs kind of ramping him up and, and not seeing any need to risk injury with him. And, and by the same token, you, you could make the argument that right there with Obi Top and Emmanuel quickly was clearly the best player on this team for the final five games of the season last year and looked like he certainly ascended a layer level in terms of his playmaking and, and even his confidence as a shooter. Um, where are you at on him coming into the season and what's a reasonable expectation for his role? Yeah, I think that um, when I when I reported the idea of him, the expectation being that he would get a bigger role, particularly early on, it was like basically the idea that they're going to give him the opportunity to to like show what he has, what he has coming into this season right now. And I, I, I mentioned in that story the preseason because I was under the impression that, you know, he would get, you know, more minutes, a chance to have more minutes in these preseason games. So um, as far as his role moving forward, yeah, I think he's shown the Knicks and everything that they've said publicly is that they've really liked what they've seen from him. He's shown the Knicks that he is continuing on an upward trajectory. You know, the, the, the tricky thing, as you guys noted, is the minutes, where do they come from? Who's Who does not get in the rotation because quickly is getting more minutes? whose minutes are cut because quickly he's getting more minutes. So, you know, those questions I'm not quite clear on the answers to as of yet. I just knew that, you know, going into the camp, he, the expectation was that he would have the chance to, to have a bigger role. And cause the Knicks wanted to see kind of where he was and, and give him an extended time to, to show that. Yeah. It, likewise to quickly, do you think is your read on the Derek Rose situation that what we've seen so far is going to be more what his role is going to be going into the season. Cause I think that we've said, we've said quite a bit, like we're not really sure where Derek Rose fits in on this team as like an everyday player right now. Cause even as great as his 2021 season was, you know, last year he was hurt for a large swath of the year, but 
not with an injury that seems like it should be difficult to, you know, come back from and, and play with this year. Obviously, you talked about his weight loss and everything else to try to continue prolonging his career. Honestly, an impressive amount, given the amount of health issues he had earlier in his career. Um, but, you know, at this point with quickly, you know, kind of commanding more of a role at this point, we've even seen Deuce McBride really come in and like shake things up during the preseason here every time he touches the floor. Do you think the Knicks are sort of looking at Rose now finally and being like, all right, maybe this guy who's in the twilight of his career that has had health issues, whatever, should be in more of a mentorship role and maybe be a, a spot five, 10 minute a game guy that then we can count on for more if need be, you know, if there's injuries and whatever, but like, where do you think they sort of stand on him at the moment? Yeah. I think that uh, if things are going well for the Knicks, Derek Rose takes on the role that he took on in that first season in New York, where he is the quarterback of that second unit. And that's, that could be with quickly uh, that could be with Grimes um, you know, it could be three guard lineups, but I, I do think that they see him as a significant part of this rotation. If things are going well and things are right and he's healthy and, and everything is kind of a going according to plan. I don't think that they see him in that, that veteran, you know, spot minutes role yet. Um, and if they do, I haven't heard of it uh, because, you know, they've talked all along about Rose and his importance to the team, his impact on winning. So I would assume if he's healthy, he's going to be out there and then, you know, the, the, the excuse me, nightly decisions for Tom Thibodeau are tough in terms of who's in that rotation, who's out of it. You mentioned Miles McBride, who's had a strong preseason, at least in my view. And the, are you able to find minutes for him in this crowded rotation? And this is a deep team. Um, it's not a team with an established hierarchy. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see how things proceed with uh, minutes allotment, with rotation, uh, architecture and seeing who's in and who's out. But I think Derek Rose on a nightly basis will be seeing significant minutes off the bench if he's healthy and if things are going according to plan. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Ian, because if the goal is winning, it's so easy to forget. But we you circle back to the 2021 season by that Hawk series. I think he was he was clearly the Knicks best player and he was so transformational for quickly and Obi. And now that they've made steps independent of him, I, I know I'm curious to see what all three look like together. I, I guess the one other guy that you're trying to figure out in that mix is Cam Reddish. I know you went on the Nick of Time show and um, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but like it does seem like there is some internal pressure to find a role for him, whether that's for him to to eventually be a really good player on this team or just to know what kind of contract to offer him or if it's just to improve him as an asset to eventually move off of him. But he's he's clearly the odd man out to me and I know you reported in, in that same piece you did about quickly that he looked phenomenal this offseason that people who, who were watching in this offseason said he looked phenomenal obviously hasn't shot all that well through two preseason games but it may be if for no other reason than to just shut people like me up Tibbs has given him a definitive role he's let him play a little bit through those bad shots obviously Fournier and Grimes being out have, have played a role in that but do you think the minutes he's been allocating this preseason translate to the regular season? Is it more Tom Thibodeau saying, see, I gave him a clear chance. He, much like last season, he does some stuff well, but still can't hit shots. So he's not going to play over these other guys. I think uh, a lot of that will depend on, I think, what we see over these next two preseason games, uh, Indiana on Wednesday and then Friday against Washington, because I don't think that Cam Reddish, he's had nice moments, but I don't think that he's put together a body work over the first two games of the preseason where you look at it objectively and you say Tom Thibodeau has to find minutes for Cam Reddish this season. Uh, no question about it. 
and it's, a, it's something is very wrong if he's not in the rotation. We haven't seen that yet from Cam Reddish. I think uh, people, reasonable people, maybe could disagree on that, but that's how I see it. So I think it depends on what you see from Reddish. Uh, again, these last two preseason games, does he do enough to force Tom Thibodeau to put him in the rotation? Uh, and listen, I think with Reddish, you can't at least listen based on the first two preseason games. You can't say like, oh, you know, Tom, the coach is holding him back or XYZ is holding him back because he's gotten the minutes. Now, he hurt his ankle in that first preseason game, and it was early on in the game, and he stayed in the game, um, and he tried to play through it, which I think is something the top liberal likes. And then he came back and was available that the next night – excuse me, not the next night, but the next game. And so the, he didn't let the injury sideline him, so he stayed on the court – and I think that tells Tom Thibodeau something about Cam Reddish's commitment. But I think you have to see something from Cam Reddish that really jumps off um, the screen when you're watching a game over these next two games to say, like, Tom Thibodeau has to put Cam Reddish in the rotation because right now I don't think he's made that case. All right, guys, we'll be back with Ian Bagley with a final lightning round. Does he predict that the Knicks will trade for an all-star in the next two seasons? Does he think Tom Thibodeau has a job in the next two seasons? But before we get to that, if you want to use some of the fantastic insider information that Ian is giving you in this episode, there's only one place I would tell you to go and use it, and that is Prize Picks, my favorite daily fantasy site. You know, once the season starts up, I'm going to be taking, I don't know, a Luka Doncic over on points. If I want to make a Nick centric, I'm going to take Emmanuel quickly and over on assists on like maybe a nightly basis, RJ Barrett and over on dunks. Can I get that one? I'm not sure. I got to go check it out on prize picks, but how does it work? You pick two to five players and if they go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. I am fascinated with the mores. That is every sport prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states and most importantly, Canada. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Pricewix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. So we've we've zoomed in on some of the, the micro things here in the preseason. I want to zoom out a little bit and talk a little macro stuff here. So we we obviously just went through the offseason that we went through with the Donovan Mitchell saga. Uh, you know, we were we were commiserating before the show about how it kept all of us on pins and needles this whole offseason about what the Knicks were going to do and, you know, the various names that were involved potentially in trades and all this stuff. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. Do you think that this team is going to look mostly the same by midseason this year, like around the trade deadline? Or do you think that this past summer of chasing Donovan Mitchell is more of a sign of things to come as far as player movement for this team? Because we've been talking about this a decent amount, but I'm kind of curious what things are going to be like in that locker room this year, when the next rumor is going to come up. Like It definitely seems based off this past offseason that the Knicks are ready to move on whatever stars become available. Do you think that that's something that they might pursue during this season? 
should some such player become available? Or do you think that the mindset is going to be more of like, let's get through this season. Let's do our business in the off season, because it does seem like this team dating all the way back to even previous regimes is definitely more of an off season team than like a trade deadline team. Like they're not generally the team that's going to make a big splash mid season. It seems like they sort of value that season long continuity. I'm just kind of curious what your read is as far as that whole situation goes going into the season. Yeah. I mean, Alex, I think you hit it like based on how Leon Rose has approached trade deadlines, even go back to his first one. in I think it was 2020. It's been a conservative. So I would be surprised if the Knicks went and took a huge swing at the trade deadline. But I, I think that it depends on where they are in the standings, because I think that in a macro sense, this group, everybody, everyone, team president on down, you know, it, it's imperative that you can see something tangible this season where you say, okay, there's a progression here. This group as a whole is taking a positive step forward after what was a, a disappointing, underwhelming season last year, 37 wins. So if you're seeing night in and night out leading up to the trade deadline that there's stability, there's a cohesiveness, there's a competitive spirit to the team, they're in most games, and the record is, is you know, passable, I, I would assume that the Knicks are more likely to be conservative at the deadline, do their business in the offseason. But if they're struggling – I could see because of what I mentioned earlier, just the need to to show uh, ownership and everyone that you're taking a step forward. Um, I could see them being more aggressive and taking a bigger swing at the deadline if things are a little bit shaky. What do you think the front office is prioritizing from Tom Thibodeau? Is it as simple as the bottom line? Like you, you get us into the playoffs, pass the play in, you, you keep your job, you, you don't get that far, you don't. Or is it a little bit more process oriented that like, hey, like we these hockey line changes worked um, your first season here, but you got to get a little bit more creative with mixing and matching your lineups like we've seen this preseason. Um, you got to find a guy like Obi Toppin 25 minutes a game. You got to find Emmanuel quickly 25 minutes a game. Or is it as simple as like if he kind of sticks to who he's been where he places uh, maybe disproportionate faith in veterans, but it, it, it leads to wins like that'll be enough for the front office with tips. I don't have the sense that anybody in that front office is going to go into Tom Thibodeau's office and say, you have to play player X, X amount of minutes. I, I, I don't, I mean, I, it would be a departure from yeah. the previous, you know, how, how they've dealt with things previously. Like I think the lineup decisions are Tom Thibodeau's uh, at the end of the day, maybe there's, you know, suggestions, maybe there is, uh, you know, just the planning bugs in Tom Thibodeau's ear about X, Y, Z, but the decision will be his at the end of the day. And, and so whether a young player plays over uh, a veteran who Thibodeau thinks gives them the better chance to win that night um, remains to be seen. But I, I don't think the front office – I would be surprised, I should say, if the front office has said to Thibodeau at all, you have to play Obi Toppin, you know, 25 minutes, or you have to play uh, Miles McBride in your rotation, something like that. Uh, it's going to be based on Thibodeau's judgment – and his judgment alone. And, and I think he'll, you know, sink or swim based on that uh, just because the personalities involved, I, I, I can't see like Leon Rose telling Tom Thibodeau, you have to do this. And he, Leon Rose, I should say too, in that interview with um, Alan Hahn, MSG network, Hahn asked him, has there been any edicts 
to Tom Thibodeau to play the younger players. He said no edict. And Tom Thibodeau, what we know is he's going to put us in the best position to win every night. And that's going to be his, his um, motivation. So take that for what it is. Yeah. I, I think, I think it would be unreasonable to assume that the front office is putting any sort of edict on him other than maybe just saying, Tibbs, we need you to take a look in the mirror and find something new, but we're not going to tell you what that new thing is, but like, you know, get better results than last year. Uh, and clearly they think that he can do that. Um, I, I want to move to, b- before we uh, wrap up here, just some quick hitters, you know, some little little quick answer questions, lightning round, we could call it, whatever. Uh, so we'll just get your take on, on uh, a few little things here. Where do you stand on an over-under of 24 minutes a game for Obi Toppin by the end of the season? That's a good one. Um, I would guess under, but not by much. That hurts, Ian, but I appreciate the honesty. Uh, same question, Emmanuel, quickly. Uh, Over-under 24 minutes. Uh, another tough one. Um, I would say I would say the same thing. Um, under, but not by much right there under same thing with Obi. All right. Over under one Nick making an all-star team this season, few candidates. <laughs> um, I'm not very bright. So we're saying, yeah, I, I, I put it at 0.5. Or, so, yeah. So do you, do you think they have one all-star basically? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I would say yes, and my my answer there is really based on not much else besides my thinking that Jalen Brunson is really going to lift the floor for everybody, and I think you know his impact just based on the little things that you've seen so far, first two preseason games, training camp. And I think he's going to impact this club significantly on the court and off the court, and if he can turn the Knicks into a team that can take a punch and, and withstand, you know, the struggles that are going to come over the course of 82 games. I think this team's going to have success uh, compared to what maybe our preseason expectations are. And I think with that success, with let's say RJ Barrett's having a strong season, he's going to get all-star consideration because of his own success and the success of the group. So that's why I see that uh, that way at this point. Is Tom Thibodeau, this could just be yes or no, is Tom Thibodeau the head coach of the New York Knicks at the start of the 2023 season? Yes, and I'll say just citing Jalen Brunson and and his impact again. I I think that if everyone's healthy and if everybody plays their roles, I think Brunson elevating the group really changes the, the, I guess, I don't want to say narrative, but it, it changes the momentum for Tom Thibodeau's Nick's tenure and I think if he if he can get them going in a in a in a positive direction uh and I think that will happen again based on Brunson's impact then I do think everybody's comfortable with Thibodeau moving into that next year so this might be going in the same direction but this is a little more subjective uh what is one bold prediction that you have for this coming season for the Knicks Mm. My bold prediction would be a trade uh, ahead of, like, I would say uh, significantly ahead of the deadline because 
I think that there's a surplus where regardless of how you break this rotation down, who's in it, who's out of it, there's going to be a surplus. And I think that's going to lead to, you know, conversations between the Knicks and teams about potential trades and trades and how to work different situations out. And I think that, um, yeah, so I'll go there. All right. This could, this could be in the same line, but do the Knicks acquire someone by the start of next season that, makes an all-star team this season. Yeah, I would say yes. And my thinking there is the Leon Rose, William Wesley, I think part of the thinking when they were hired um, by James Dolan was to get top talent. And you say what you want about this roster. I don't think that top talent acquisition has happened yet. Uh, so I would think that it happens by the end of next off season going into that, that year four for yeah. Leon Rose. Mm-hmm. So, all right. And final question to, to send us home here. Uh, what is your record prediction for the Knicks this year? We could even just say wins, how many wins you think, and mm-hmm. do you think they make the playoffs or I guess now we have to kind of qualify. Do they make the playoffs or the play in or miss entirely? <laughs> I'm going to say 39 wins, play-in tournament, and not not getting out of that play-in round. But they get into the play-in tournament, and they they show enough to, again, show the neutral observer out there that they're taking a step forward. All right. Ian Begley, SNY, best in the biz, uh, keeps us supplied with information at all times, keeps all of Knicks Nation supplied. And uh, Ian, I mean, yeah, just shout out to you, man, uh, throughout this whole Donovan Mitchell saga this summer. I think I might have spent more. It, it was just between you and Woes, just bouncing back and forth on Twitter. But you really you guided us through it with a steady hand. Uh, I can't thank you enough for that. because It was, it was, a, it was a tumultuous time. Um, everyone knows, but can you can you let everyone know where they can find all your work and all the different things you're doing and anything you have coming uh, down the road? Well, first of all, I really appreciate that, Gavin. That means a lot, man, because, uh, you know, that's that's the job trying to find out information, accurate information and, and report it. So I, that that means a ton. So thank you for that. Um, I am at Ian Begley on Twitter. Um, articles are on SNY.tv. We're going to have uh, a regular putback show putback was something we've done the past couple of years uh it's going to come back regularly in season so keep an eye out for that uh opening night will be on in the afternoon for our first one and uh, you can find that on all of sny's social media platforms great and the putback always a must watch to me uh definitely if you're if you're watching us on youtube and you you want to go find uh something else to watch definitely go check out the putback on SNY. Even if you're listening to us in podcast form, just go find it anyway. It's always a fun show to watch. Ian, thanks so much for popping on, man. We really appreciate you taking the time to give us and everybody listening uh, an update on the Knicks and everything. Uh, and I hope this season is awesome for you and hopefully a little less stressful than the summer that just was. <laughs> Alex, I appreciate that, my friend. Thank you. Uh, it's always good to be with you guys.